Welcome to Shoot the Breeze, a series on a podcast that celebrates the messiness of life, relationships, and Christianity, featuring my wife Lacey and myself, Nathan. It's creatively titled because it will be just us shooting the breeze, uh, sometimes with guests, while occasionally saying something important. We hope you enjoy. You look you look very nervous. I mean, yeah. Most of the time when you or your wife ask me to do anything, I'm usually nervous. Oh, perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have more questions. Then. Great. Yeah. Just Here we go. Yeah. Uh, okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, tell me your like name, who you are, uh, what you do. What I do? Yeah. Okay. My name's Lauren Barclay. Okay. I... I'm a stay-at-home mom. Awesome. Uh, that is attempting to homeschool my children, and okay. um, I do some volunteering and ministry around Hill Country Fellowship. Okay, great. And that's the church that we church. Yes. Yeah. Um. So. Oh, okay. Oh boy. Here's a fantastic Already? question. No, no, it's no. <laughs> What's your favorite way to waste time? Oh, phone games. Phone games? Nonsense phone games. Like, like, give me, give me an example. Uh, most recently I've gone old school with Spider Solitaire on my phone, but I've done. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Just literally. I love Spider Solitaire. uh Uh-huh. Have you ever played Kings in the Corner? I don't think so. Okay. It's a great game. Okay. You basically, you, it, as you're playing, you draw, like, you put the deck in the court, like, the middle of the table, mm-hmm. and then off that, you lay it down kings, but it has to go in every other color. Oh. So it would be a black king, red queen, okay. or red king, black queen, but then you play and draw, and mm-hmm. yeah. anyways, it's a fun I've game. I've recently been getting bored with Spider Solitaire because I can't yeah. not win. It is Spider Sol? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, it's, it's fun. So it's easy. fun though because John's good at so many things. My husband John is good at so many things, um, but he's not very good at Spider Solitaire. And so he saw me playing it, decided to download yeah. it, and is now constantly frustrated that I have a better score ratio than him. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What's the difference between regular solitaire and spider? So regular solitaire is when you're putting them all into the four little yes. categories yes. of suit. Um, spider solitaire is where you can stack them up of any suit. You have to kind of unearth cards. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I do remember that. I do like it. I like, <laughs> so like you're on your computer, mm-hmm. You can like select where you can drag the card onto the on top of the pile, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you double click, it goes. Uh huh. Yep. I always like doing mm-hmm. double click. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So phone games. Phone games. Okay. Um. My f- I so I got a lot of, rid of a lot of my apps on my phone mm-hmm. being the min- minimalist that I am mm-hmm. so the only game I have on my phone is a flight simulator and I and I earn licenses okay. by doing like flying in the fog or uh, landing without like one of the landing gear not coming down okay. and so I can earn licenses which puts me in a better position to buy airports 
and then you can buy planes, and then you can buy pilots. <laughs> and so it's like... Sounds really complicated. <laughs> it's... Whatever. It's, uh, no, it's super fun because it's like the more uh, airports that you get, the more pilots that you get for those airports, the more you continuously fly. So in the beginning, you're just learning how to fly, so you really can only manage one plane, one pilot. Uh-huh. Well, then you you become a, a essentially a commodore, commander, I forget what it is, and you own everything. Anyways, at the same time, you're learning how to fly because you have to do these tests. Like, what happens if you don't have your air brakes? What happens if they... Is it, like, realistic learning how to fly? Yeah. Like, would it translate if you were to... Yeah. I feel like if, like, my... If I'm flying somewhere and the pilots, both of them keel over, I could be like, I think I could do this. I mean, is that personal pride or is that, like, actual? No. Here's the thing. (laughs) I love... I love flying in, like, flight simulators. Uh-huh. And I had a friend who owned this small uh, bush plane, and so he would teach me how to do stuff. But it was in, it was in like, a small one-engine one okay. prop, uh, propeller uh, engine. And so, like, we would do a bunch of stuff. Wouldn't recommend. And But then, like, also I love flight simulators, and I watch, like, YouTube. I can binge YouTube how to fly Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So it's like a whole thing yeah. for you. It's a whole thing. And I, <laughs> my favorite, though, my favorite is I'm on this one, got addicted to this one channel where he he's a pilot, and then he analyzes plane crashes and why they crashed from a pilot's perspective. It's fascinating. Huh. Yeah. Okay. This is not about me, though. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it's about you. <laughs> okay. Um... What makes you feel the most cared for? So you have, like, the five love languages type, so receiving gifts, quality time, like, affectionate touches. Is it, uh, like, words of affirmation? Or I think the other the other one, oh, service, like being served. Quality time. Okay. 100% is my top. Words of yes. affirmation is my second. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. Uh, the quality time is not a shock to me. Uh-huh. You're very much a people person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Surprises no one. <laughs> <laughs> what? Lauren likes people? That's crazy. Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah, no. Um, no, okay, so quality time, um, which is funny because your favorite way to waste time is like... Zone out by myself. Zone out on your phone, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit oxymoronic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. All right, um... <laughs> So, you're a mom. You're married. How long have you been married? Eleven years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. Thanks. I was gonna say that's like forever in nowadays. I mean, yeah, we got married when we were the same age, so we were 24. Okay. And so I feel like everybody was telling us that we were way too young to make it. So 11 years is an accomplishment. 24. I mean, California. Everybody oh, doesn't true. really value that's marriage true. and they do it late. So that, yeah. that's how I, um, I grew up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. Because you did grow up in California. Mm-hmm. Um, you were telling me that your first place, you and your husband, John, mm-hmm. uh, got was a 
What did you? How did you describe it? I called it a hovel. <laughs> okay, so let me explain. Yes. Um, so we had attempted to make California work. Okay. We had met in Fort Worth in college, um, Fort Worth, Texas, and then decided that we needed to be close to my family. So okay. we moved to California with absolutely no money and soul-crushing amount of debt and no uh, real skills for the job market and okay. decided that that was a good idea. So we got a studio apartment okay. in a 1940s triplex oh, goodness. in Dana Point, California, which is right up against the beach. Right. So we felt like we made it, but sure. we were living in like 400 square feet. And uh, if you stepped into our backyard, which our neighbors could reach into over their wall... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you could see the ocean, so okay. that was like our saving grace for that Wait, year and a half. <laughs> what? So was it? Did it have multiple? Like, were you on a top level, bottom level? So there were three units. There was okay. one at the front, okay, and then two that were kind of split level, and ours was the bottom of the split level. Oh, bummer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was just thinking that would have been. I mean, yeah, if it was a 1940s bunker. Mm, um, that's what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> at least, like, I feel like if you were at the, t- like, middle to top level, you mm-hmm. could at least see the ocean, mm-hmm. but you guys didn't even have that. No. No. Okay. Mm-mm. You had you to just... walk out. You could stick your head way over our back fence, and then you could see Dana Point Harbor. <laughs> but, okay, but how long of a walk was it to the beach? Um, We never walk. We always rode bikes. So okay. we rode bikes to the pier, and it took about two minutes. <laughs> okay. So I feel like, <laughs> like, if, if you... It's fantastic. Perfect. So maybe four on the way back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, if you... See, both Lace and I love the ocean. Mm-hmm. And so if we could live, like, two minutes from the ocean, it could literally be a tarp or a cardboard box with a tarp over it to make it waterproof-ish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I, both her and I, we were like, oh, I think it'd be worth it. <laughs> Like being able to... Well, I mean, I feel like it wouldn't have been as bad as it was, which a lot of it was great, but the person that lived over us was a single woman in probably her mid to late 60s who mm-hmm. had mental health issues. Oh, goodness. Um, and would just, like, grab stuff out of our backyard. Like I said, she could reach into our yard. from. So we had, like, a bird feeder on the fence that she just decided that she wanted one day, and she took it. Um, that kind of thing. Her name was Margaret. <laughs> and then we had a neighbor next door who's not part of the triplex. Okay. That um, I think her and her son were her adult son were both living in this one space, and they would just, they didn't have jobs. They would just stay home and scream at each other all oh. day long. Okay. All day, all night. So we, we worked a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Got to be away from the house. Yeah. We, there was a, a house that we lived in. It was the, it was owned by the church, mm-hmm. and but it was in a really horrible neighborhood. And so there's multiple nights where we would wake up at 2 a.m. to these this couple, which is maybe like, a full city block down the road. Okay. Yelling at each other like we Ooh. could hear it. And so we would call the police and then we would sit in our uh, swinging chair on our back porch mm-hmm. and just listen like that's what we did for fun. Oh, man. Well, we were in our <laughs> first year of marriage, which, I mean, is not a picnic Yeah. Um, for most people. Right. So it was like we were high-level stress, high-level debt. Yeah. 
working all the time. Was and the then def- we'd come home to screaming people. Yeah, no, that'd be like, horrible. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> we, so, uh, okay, so you guys had met in Fort Worth because mm-hmm. of school. What did you go to school for? Psychology. Okay. Mm-hmm. How long did that, like, how did you get a degree? How long did you go for? I got a degree. Okay. Um, I didn't go there for, I, so I went to Texas Christian University, okay. and I did not go there for the four years. I went to community college close to home okay. um, for two years, and then I transferred because we had lived for a tiny little bit in Texas, okay. and I really liked the people, and I wanted to come back. Yeah. Um, so that was my opportunity, and um, I wanted to go into psychology at the time. I had been through a lot with my family and okay. um, had been through therapy, and that had been super helpful for me, okay. and I really wanted to help people in that way. Yeah. Um, and I got to the end of four and a half years is how long it took me to graduate, okay. and in my half that I had left, I did an internship where I was working um, for the Tarrant County Women's Shelter. I was working with women and children there and uh, decided I could never do that as a job. (laughs) What what was the deciding factor? Um, So everybody that comes through there specifically had a really heavy story. That was not the issue for me. The issue was I wanted to help people and people a lot of times didn't want to help themselves. Okay. They were there because they had to be, and they couldn't see the forest through the trees. Sure, yeah. Um, and so they just wanted a Band-Aid and fix my problems and send me on my way without doing any hard work Yeah. to uh, actually... Like change their Change their situation. lives, change yeah. their situation, change what was hurting in them that made them go after that kind of a person that would right. make them end up in a women's shelter, so. Right. What, um, my mom was, so my mom was in a women's shelter. Mm-hmm. It was only for, I think, like a week and a half, maybe okay. two. Um, anyways, uh, so what was the, what was the, you got a degree, was it a ba- like a bachelor's in this? Bachelor's. And mm-hmm. then you were doing the internship. Were you looking at potentially getting a full degree or? Yeah, I was looking at going into a master's program okay. right after that at, um, uh, it was somewhere in Southern California. We were planning to move to Southern California okay. right after that. Um, okay. So anyway, um, I was looking at getting a master's and then getting licensed in marriage and family therapy. Okay. So okay. along similar lines. And so, but you noticed that it was the, um, the people's unwillingness essentially to help themselves, right? Yes. Um, that made you pull, mm-hmm. just be like, like you're done with it, mm-hmm. you're, or? Um, at the time, it wasn't, I'm done with it. It's, I need to really take a break. And I didn't have the money to continue on, honestly, yeah. at that point. And okay. I was so spent from that internship that I just needed a break and so I was like okay well that works out and then I just never decided I could never return to it once I got some space from that experience what was the so if you because of like you were saying your own experience you you've had you've had counseling you've had therapy and then you also obviously participated Mm -hmm. in as being a counselor and, Mm -hmm. and going to um getting a degree in it, Mm -hmm. helping women. Like, where do you find, I I guess maybe what what do you see as a, 
uh, kind of a missing thing because I've I've talked to a lot of counselors. We've actually had counselors go through, you know, like a our our programs cultivate, but I've I know of other programs right. where it's not a degree focused. Sure. Um, counseling, mm-hmm. um, but what do you see is lacking in that field? It, like I said, I've talked to several counselors who've done yeah. stuff like what we do, and they're like, "Oh, it's this or that." What did you find for yourself? Ooh, I'm not sure. That's a really tough question because I I saw the people that really cared about helping other people. Mm-hmm. Um, go into that field and then burn out in a few years after they spent all this time and money and hours and um, which was another big thing that kind of played into me not going back was I saw some of my friends that were following that track not um, be able to continue after a few years Um, so I'm not I'm not really sure I feel like people a lot of times will enter therapy as like a last ditch effort to fix something like fix, themselves fix or themselves or a marriage okay. or something and they'll just kind of like just tell me what to do yeah. And it's, yeah well it's not just tell me what to do we have to fix right what's in there so that out here can look like you want it to look right. and people don't really have the expectation of that going in yeah that's hard to kind of get them into that if they're not prepared right so as a i mean taking the perspective of a counselor what is it that like why do people burn out like what is it that that makes people be like i can't do this anymore oh i know a lot of people take it home okay a lot of people take the heaviness home yeah um which is hard not to do yeah um I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Okay. But I do know that's that's why I gravitate so much towards y'all's type of ministry, this freedom ministry where you're really working at the hard issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we take nothing home. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, okay. <laughs> well, no, okay. So jokingly, uh-huh. Lacey's more empathetic and uh-huh. she tends to take things home in the sense that it weighs on her more yeah um i don't i don't Mm -hmm. uh one of my life verses is where jesus sends the rich young ruler away and doesn't love that one so much yeah i do (laughs) but he doesn't chase after him yeah um and that's you know both Lacey and i in in our education in our experience you know the one thing that we picked up from people who have not burned out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people who've been doing this for decades. Yeah. It's like the theme that we hear them say is, listen, you can't want someone's freedom more than they want mm-hmm. it. And I think that's really helped us in going, okay, all we can do is provide the tools that we have, right? Or, right. or recommend tools like, hey, we're not experts in this, but we do know experts in yeah. this, whatever issue they're struggling with. Um, and being able to, you're exactly right. It's that idea of, listen, I, I think that can weigh counselors or therapists down when it's like, I want to help them so much, but they don't want help. Yeah. Um, the other thing I've seen is, Almost like 
uh, like I've had this experience where you go into therapy to essentially just talk about your week, but there's no resolution yeah. to why you're struggling with that mm-hmm. repetitive theme right every week yeah. um i guess have you seen that at all or have you a little bit exper- okay yeah i mean my extent of counseling was localized like six months so sure okay <laughs> but i'm like you well versed but yeah, yeah even like in the that. friends that you you've had you said oh, going to yeah yeah <laughs> okay uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is one of the many resources we make available for free at our website, cultivaterelationships.com. Our resources have helped people grow in their relationship with God and others. Uh, We've seen people set free from uncontrollable anger and paralyzing fear. We've witnessed estranged family members be reunited after working through our freedom booklet. We've helped people build healthy relationship and coping habits through our coaching videos. And all of these resources are made available for free because of the generous support of people like you. If you would like to become a partner, please visit cultivaterelationships.com support. Now, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. So you said you, growing up, you there was some stuff that made you have to take, have to go into therapy or have to take counseling, mm-hmm. and then which was kind of what spurred on your desire to go into counseling yourself. Yeah. Do you want to get into any of that at all? Like, what was it? Who? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, okay. So the counseling that I went to was actually court ordered. Okay. Um, because my mom was in a car accident when I was nine. Okay. She was traumatically brain injured. And um, in her recovery and throughout, my parents ended up getting a divorce sort of from that, sort of from family intervention Um, when I was 12. And then after that, we had to um, go to the counselor because in her recovery, she was very violent um, beyond her control. Like to weird superhuman levels. Okay. And... There was just a lot of stuff between 9 and 12 that I saw that I just didn't even know was affecting me. Okay. And came out in really strange behavior ways. And so... Came out, like, for you behaviorally? For me, behaviorally. Um, I'm sure for my siblings, too. But um, I was just super focused on me at that time. Um, I mean, fair enough. When when you deal with that level of trauma... Mm -hmm. Um, and so we didn't go for that long, but I just remember it being something that let me feel a little bit more, I don't want to say in control because that wasn't really, I was never in control of the situation. I never felt in control of the situation, but a little bit more understanding of where certain things that I did came from, um, Mm -hmm. And even though it wasn't how I wanted to be acting necessarily in the moment, just to, like, have tools to work through sure. stuff like that. And, yeah. yeah. So it was court-ordered, is it because of what people, what, like, the doctors had seen your mom do? Or what was the court um, order from? Specifically, it came out <laughs> of 
um, an incident where we had to call the police okay. on my mom. Okay. Um, my parents were separated at the time, and she had tried to force her way into our apartment. Okay. <laughs> we ended up having to lock ourselves in a back bedroom and wait for the police to come remove her from the okay. house. Okay. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I get those circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. I know you do. Yeah. Um, and so do you feel like that was at the time of that counseling and, and probably to the degree that you understood and mm-hmm. all of that, do you feel like that that was beneficial? Do you, or, um, yeah, do you feel like that that was beneficial? Like it helped you yes. when, where you were at? Yes, definitely. Okay. And then playing that out, like obviously you get, you start dating, you, you get married, you have kids, mm-hmm. like as that, um, and you know, as you as you deal with trauma as a kid and all of that kind of layers of an onion mm-hmm. analogy. Yeah. So as you've gotten older, I guess how has, um, and you look at what God's provided or set in front of you for mm-hmm. for dealing with that. How have you grown from that twelve year old mm-hmm. to like where you're at now? And what was that process of of resolution oh, for you? Boy, I mean still happening, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 sure, fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I um so part of that, I kind of felt like when I was 20 sounds right. I was going to um Saddleback okay. Rick Warren's church in Southern California and I went to his lay counseling program okay. that he had in the church offices there. And I wanted counseling again, but I had no money and I was working three jobs trying to get myself through community college and I couldn't, I couldn't afford to go see an actual therapist. So I tried to go to lay counseling at my church and they looked at me and they're like, oh, well, you seem like you're dealing with everything okay. (laughs) After they asked me a couple of questions, Mm -hmm. well, you seem fine. Yeah. like, well, I feel like I need help, which is why I'm here. Right, right. Um, and I really don't feel like I got any resolution to that. Okay. Um, I mean, now I'm 35. Um, <laughs> Almost 40. Yeah. I, <laughs> thanks. Uh, I really don't feel like I got much resolution to any of that okay. until maybe the last year and a half. Okay. Um, when I started going through Freedom Booklets. Okay. Um, because there was just so much that I never actually unpacked. Yeah. Um, and then realized how I was living out of those things. What were, so, um, like if you could focus on maybe some of the more, uh, obvious or maybe most affected behavioral things, like what would you, what did you notice where you're like, okay, I can't live this way anymore. Like uh-huh. what led you into, like you were saying the last year yeah. of walking through that? Uh, a massive amount of anxiety. Okay. Massive amount of anxiety. I, um, I didn't even realize this until your wife pointed it out to me actually. Okay. Um, but she, looked at me and she said, um, oh, that's what happened. I had had a doctor's appointment that I was a little concerned about. Oh, and she yeah. was like, of course you are because you think you're going to die or you think you're going to 
be physically removed from your family and mm-hmm. they're not going to be okay. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah I yeah. do think that. Yeah. Why do I think that? Why are you just now telling me I think that when I've thought that my whole life? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And it was, I had already started working on a book with my mom and, um, I've got a few more that I would like to do. Well, because what, um, what, what eventually happened with your mom? Do you mind? What eventually happened? We, she got to a place in her recovery where she was stable, but okay. she was basically like 12. Okay. So I related to her as a child, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Um, and I tried to help taking care of her. She lived with my aunt for a while, and then um, she had an accident, another accident, that okay. ended up taking her life at okay. 59, so. Okay. Yeah. That, and how old were you at that I that was point? 29. Okay. Yeah, I was 29. So okay. that was six years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so all of that is probably wrapped up in what you were feeling in terms of that anxiety of yes. not just not just what your your fir- your mom's first accident about mm-hmm. all of the debilitating mental stuff yeah. right and then how that would affect your family and right. then obviously your mom being taken early yes. and you know all of this wrapped up into the doctor's appointment right yes yes into a silly little doctor's appointment that was confirming something that they had already told me a year before that okay that i was fine yeah and they just wanted to make sure i was fine yeah. i was convinced that yeah. i was not so what would so how did this anxiety play out in your life like in your marriage how did it affect relationships oh gosh poor john <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm gonna be I'm gonna be interviewing him later, so I'll get oh, his yeah. side. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> I'll get all the dirt, don't get worry. All the dirt. <laughs> he loves to talk. Um yeah, no, poor John. I just really felt like I needed to be in control of absolutely everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And if I wasn't, that nothing was gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. And so it was just this he could never do anything right. Yeah. I had to be the one to do everything. Yeah. Especially when my kids came along. <laughs> yeah. Because they weren't safe with anyone but me. Well, of course. They weren't going to be. Yeah. So, yeah, that's not healthy. <laughs> right. Wait, wait, okay, wait, wait. So, like, we, I feel like we get to these levels in our life, mm-hmm. right? Like, an 18-year-old's an 18-year-old. They probably don't recognize the impact of their childhood on them, right? I right. mean, maybe some do, depending mm-hmm. on. But, like, as we get older and we move into these new life phases, so, like, you get married. Yeah. You start dating, or, mm-hmm. and then you get married. Um, like, in that, you probably observed or recognized, oh, I have some control issues, or yeah. no. <laughs> like, no. for you, like, you, did you, okay. No. Looking back, do you see areas where yes. you're... <laughs> Okay, so wait, 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 wait. So looking back, because mm-hmm. I think I think this is hard. Like honestly, if you do struggle with control, you look at it as, no, I'm the rational one. I just have You're my the... life together. Yeah, no, I'm more organized than you. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, looking looking back, if you could pinpoint like red flags, okay. What would you say is like, oh, I definitely did this, and if you're doing this, maybe. Oh, boy. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. <laughs> Let's go funny to more serious. Okay. No, 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 no. I mean, like, 
the way I can just put it in the simplest of terms, would I I, I would just get an idea okay. that needed to happen. Sure. And I would feel you know the feeling that you get right before you do something that just makes you insanely nervous. Jump out of a plane, get on stage and talk. Something I mean, those okay. things don't affect you because you don't I'm care about heights out. or something that scares the poo out of you. Looking at a spider. Okay. You're about to yeah. go step on a tarantula <laughs> with your barefoot. That's horrible. You're, you're a horrible okay. person. The feeling that you person. just got in your stomach <gasps> okay. was what I felt when I got an idea that I felt like I needed to accomplish. Oh, through the roof, just Good like night. adrenaline and... We need to do this. We need to do this now, and I need to figure it out. Okay, I'm wait, wait, wait. Give me a plan out everything. No, like, wait, give me an example, because the only thing I could think of that would be that drastic it is stepping on a spider. <laughs> so, like, so like, <laughs> like, seriously, give me an example. Like, tell me, like, what normal life circumstance this would, like, something would freak you out to this extent. Uh, okay. I love, 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 love Dave Ramsey. Yeah. When I did it, okay, I was so unhealthy okay. that everything related to that gave me that feeling. Because like, it is all about control, control yeah. and self-discipline and making lists and checking boxes. And every time I did anything in that sure. program, that's how I felt. Okay. So, so budgetary stuff, finances. Yeah. Um, what about like... Because I know some people who struggle with anxiety, like, just getting into a car. It freaks them out. Like, they can't sit in a certain seat in a I, car. I still have that problem when other people drive me around. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So you have to be the one driving. I am absolutely convinced <coughs> that I am going to die at the hands of someone else at the wheel. Oh, goodness. Uh, like, still? Or is that something past? Yeah, I'm still working on that one. <laughs> Poor John. <laughs> ah, don't do that. Just too close. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, so, it, like, Lacey's gotten so good at this to mm-hmm. where she really doesn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But, like, other people driving with me, mm-hmm. if they're, like, the, like, I'll be driving. And they'll be like, ah! I'm like, oh, what? And they're like, oh, there's a car over there. You could have caused an accident because there was a car two blocks away. Mm-hmm. I will be that person. Remind me never to drive with you. <laughs> I'll drive. It's fine. Perfect. I love just laying back, chilling. I, I was just dri- so so. One of my friends helped me move the other day, and um, so I, any chance I get not to drive, mm-hmm. I'll take it. Like if someone volunteers, I'll be like, done and yeah. done. Like because I like to look around and I like to see, but I'm also a fantastic driver. So mm-hmm. like Lacey, she'll be like, no, you're driving, and I'm like. Come on. I, I want to relax. That is never yeah. the conversation <laughs> in our house. You never let me drive. I, I have to drive. First yeah, of exactly. all, I get car sick. Second of all, I'm going to fuss at you the whole wait, way. Wait, wait, Do you get car sick in the passenger seat? Yes. I get car sick. That's right. Everywhere in the car but driving. Do. So it plays to my control. Hold that... on. We, <laughs> no. Okay. I feel like this is a mind over matter thing. It's not, though. I've uh, been throwing up in the car since I was like two years old. So, so <laughs> you have that conversation with my dad later. I do remember you, like, we took a group of people to a church. And on the way back, you're like, I'm getting car sick. I'm like, but you're literally 
right the front here. seat. Yeah. But you asked me to write a text for you because oh, you were driving. That's and right. I tried to muscle through the fact that I get car sick. You did so good. I'm really proud of you. And that was a very long text message. It wasn't just like, hey, see you tomorrow. It was, it was really all the instructions for Sunday I evening forget. ministry night. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I'm um, so, okay. So red flags, you get anxious over things where, for those of you who get anxious, apparently it feels like wanting to step on a spider with your bare foot. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so... Okay, okay, so dealing with this, what was, uh, we were, what were we talking about? We were, you were talking about. Anxiety and control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what behaviors, like, especially in the last, prior to the last year, led up to, okay, I, I, I need to deal with this mm-hmm. or my life is going to be horrible. You know, like, when you get to that place of, yeah. like, okay, something has to change. What were, what Maybe would you pinpoint as like, okay, these were your breaking points. This is going to sound really, really dumb, I feel like, but it was the last election. Okay. And it wasn't, it wasn't the election or the outcome of the election. It was like all the hubbub. It was the way people were behaving surrounding the election. Yeah. And I, I usually avoid the news just. That's mm-hmm. just how I've always been. It's not a good thing for me mental health-wise to pay attention to the news very often. <laughs> um, so I don't. Yeah. My husband is an avid, avid news reader, and yeah. so I will hear the important headlines as he sees fit. Sure. Um, but it was to the point where I had gotten off all social media. I had asked my friends, my very, very close friends who are very passionately watching mm-hmm. what was going on to please stop talking to me about mm-hmm. it. And like, I just couldn't even hang in normal conversation yeah. about it. Yeah. Um, and then Lacey again said, I think you need to do a book on your mom. <laughs> I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. No, people just need to stop talking about the election. I just need people to stop being dumb. <laughs> Leave me alone. Um, right. <clears throat> and then I cried and then I did a book. <laughs> so, okay. So like, with your mom, okay, oh, 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 sorry, backtrack just a hair. So, like, with your husband, yes. with John, mm-hmm. you said there's, like, he couldn't do anything right. What was this doing to your marriage? Like, what would, yeah, what was this doing? Um, well, it caused me to get really angry, and it caused him to shut down. Okay. Um, he would just, I call it yes, dear. He would yes, dear me to death. Okay. Um, Yeah, but I mean, did he have any other choice? No. Okay. But it's like I wanted engagement, and he knew any kind of engagement other than that would send me spiraling. Right. So it was a lose-lose. So I'd get mad at yes, dear, but he still wouldn't give me anything to get him in trouble for. So he'd just stay in that lane. Sure. Yeah. It felt very distant. Yeah. Um, Okay, so, so... Distance mm-hmm. in your marriage, mm-hmm. having the rumblies <laughs> of stepping on a spider. I, like, no, I'm just trying to piece together these uh, these triggers. Mm-hmm. Can't say trigger anymore. Uh, well, what do you say? This is your podcast. So what do you, you say? say Nova? What, I I forget. I've heard it. Co- content warning. Sure. 
you get content warnings <laughs> triggered. <laughs> no, red flags. Like, I'm trying to piece together. So for, like, people who do struggle with anxiety, these these walls that come mm-hmm. up, right? And so it's like, okay, disconnection in your relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, feeling anxiety over making probably it, what would be big decisions for you mm-hmm. are actually small decisions. Um, so, like, almost like feeling like everything is this big decision. Yes. And it all has to be planned out perfectly. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be living in a cardboard box. Right. Um, yep. And so... I'll say that even, like, I feel like the most out of control that that was for me was when I was pregnant with Natalie. So my first child, and I didn't know what to expect. And at the time, I was doing this, like, whole food vegan thing. And so I was, like, absolutely obsessed with getting the exact right amount of calories and micronutrients and all this stuff or my baby was going to be born with xyz and yeah i really wanted her to be born at a midwifery but i had all these issues leading up to the pregnancy where i'm like eh, if i'm not in a hospital i might die and it literally i looked at john probably when she was about six months old and i was like i'm so sorry i was so insane i was so insane I don't know how you didn't walk out. And he's like, oh, I thought about it. <laughs> Do you want to read my journal? <laughs> <laughs> but that was, I mean, there was things that caused me to work through it, but that yeah. was probably the worst it ever was in actuality for me was when I was pregnant with her. Okay. And so then it, it like, tapered? It tapered to still an unhealthy place, but yeah. to a place where I didn't seem insane to everyone around me. Okay. Just John. <laughs> Just John. <laughs> so I love you. So with, so with parenting, like, how have you seen it come out as a parent? Like, how have you, because it's like you have your, you, you have your adult relationships, mm-hmm. right? Where... I feel like you can justify certain things, yeah. right, where you're like, no, this can, like, let me explain it to you, and you'll right. understand why you should be crazy like me. <laughs> um, no, 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 but, like, I mean, no, but people who, yeah. who do struggle with anxiety, it's, it's a real thing where it's like, no, no, let me just, let me, let me just explain. Yeah. And then when, honestly, I, I, man, and you can... Correct me if I'm mistaken, but especially people who walk through trauma mm-hmm. almost have a valid reason to operate and behave in the way that they operate and behave, mm-hmm. right? It's like, well, you don't understand this happened to me. Mm-hmm. Like this actually happened. Mm-hmm. And so as long as my life is X, Y, and Z, that won't happen again. Mm-hmm. Do you, like, is it... Like what is okay? What's the balance between essentially justifying crazy, <laughs> but then also saying no? This isn't a real thing that could happen. Like, mm-hmm. do you understand? What, like, what is? How do you balance that? Uh, I mean, or like, what do you do maybe with that tension? The short answer for me is I don't. Okay. Um. And it came from talking to Sarah about settling at the extreme. Mm. Um, And just when I get to that place on things that feel really significant, I feel like I can talk myself out of budgetary issues and things that are smaller. Um, But when it comes to I feel like I'm going to die at 38 and I'm 35 now, that's coming. Yep. Um, 
just saying what if. Yeah. What if I die? What does that look like? Yeah. And then sitting my husband down and being like, hey, this is something my brain really believes. I need you to tell me if something happens to me, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Because my dad and my family, we were not. Yeah. Uh, we did our best. Yeah. But we were not. Um, and just like really taking it to what is my absolute worst fear in this situation? And if that happens, Jesus is still in it. Yeah. And I yeah. need the people around me to know here's how I'm struggling, and I need you to tell me what happens when my worst fear comes true. Yeah. And that's that's really what I've been walking through probably the last two-ish yeah. years is trying to really, when things like that come up that are big, yeah. to bring that to the people that matter. Um, so with that... Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest struggles I had was turning 30. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the last, like, benchmark that I had thought about. Yeah. Right? And so that idea, you know, especially when we do have experiences in our life that we know people, we have family members, whatever it is, friends. And um, that's a hard thing to process through because it's yeah. it's a reality of, no, 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 I have this in my either family line or or I had this experience and so it can be a real thing for me, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Um, man, that is, yeah, that is a, that is, and I think exactly like what you said, we have to settle it at the extreme. Mm-hmm. What happens if this happens? Um, what are some things that you and John have done? You know, when you ask him the question, you know, are you going to be okay if this happens? Mm-hmm. Probably won't. But what, you right. know. You know. Yeah. What are some things that you guys have done in your life to, to know, to give you the peace of mind mm-hmm. that, hey, you know what, even if. For me, even if I do die mm-hmm. with cystic fibrosis, for you, mm-hmm. even if I get in a car accident, the people around me will be loved, will be cared for, mm-hmm. they'll be okay. Yeah. Like, what have you had to do to come to that place of peace? Um, I mean, first of all, it's revelation that you're even dealing with it. Yeah, that's huge, right? Huge. Yeah. Because I had, I honestly, like, it was there, but I didn't know that right. it was there. I just had this feeling all yeah. the time that, like. Well, it's just, you're probably living yeah. with this level of anxiety. Right. Right? Your human body is, like, I just only have no idea where it's coming from. And right. then all right. of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. This is something I need to deal with. Yeah. So, I mean, first step is figuring out if you feel like that, yeah. where it's coming from. And it's usually somewhere pretty deep. Sure. Um, foundational relationships, you know, childhood experiences, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but once that happened, um, for me, it was just really making sure that Everyone I surrounded myself with that would have some sort of 
influence over that type of situation Mm -hmm. was just wildly grounded in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I don't feel like there's any other way to make sure that someone's going to be okay with you not there. Um, Well, it goes back to your control, right? I mean, it's like, how can you control if you're not here? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And so that, yeah, there has to be a, probably a level of release. Mm -hmm. um, Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. the settling it at the extreme. You know, you see some of the ways that you are controlling him. It's like parenting, which you are literally in control. Yes. How do you, like, what what do you do? What do you do when you're supposed to be the literal caretaker, but then you also struggle with that that level of, uh, of like, okay, I know I can't be in control. I know I can't, like, freak out. Yeah. What do you do? Like, what is your, what does that process look like for you? Ooh, it's getting better. Okay, okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, when I first started parenting children that mm-hmm. well, you, started you s- to be able to tell me no and <laughs> make their own decisions to jump off of furniture headfirst yeah. and that kind of a thing, my my initial reaction was anger coming straight yeah. out of I have lost control, yeah. fueled by anxiety. Yeah. And um, I worked with um, my mentor a lot with that, um, which she had struggled with a lot in early parenting. Um, and that was super duper helpful. Um, so finding, so I was going to say, I want to highlight this because I think it's imperative that when you see people who are healthy, mm -hmm. and I think maybe this is one of the reasons why I try to focus on and someone telling me their story is if, if I know your story, um, for me as someone who works in, in ministry and coaching, it's like, okay, you struggled with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. It's something I've never struggled with. Right. So when I meet someone who's struggled with this, I want to connect them with you, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's the thing about the the importance of sharing our story mm-hmm. to connect people. And yeah. like for you, you had someone in your life where you knew her story. See, the funny thing <clears throat> is I didn't. Oh, you didn't? That whole thing was Jesus. I oh, was that's fantastic. Just... <laughs> I was just getting to know her. Okay. Um, and we were going through, we went through a couple of programs that kind of we were just doing to, because we felt like we needed to do it in the church um, just to kind of get us plugged in and things we needed to work on. They were study yeah. specific. So this one was a marriage okay. thing um, three-ish years ago. Okay. And um, the leader of the big group, so that we broke out into small groups, the leader of the big group said, it is imperative to your marriage that you find a marriage mentor couple. Mm. And I didn't really take him that seriously. And we reached out to this couple and John wasn't really into it. And then she just became my mentor on okay. a personal level. Okay. had nothing to do with marriage or anything like that. But we started... Yeah. Um, meeting and I was going through a lot of this, yeah. especially with my kids and the anger yeah. stuff at the time. And she had happened to have walked through that struggle about 10 years before okay. and really helped me through a lot of it. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, okay. And then let's talk about 
probably finish off <clears throat> with the last year. Mm-hmm. What is it that God has been walking you through with this thread mm-hmm. of control, anxiety? What has God been walking you through? And what are some things that y- you see as you look back at your story the last few years mm-hmm. <laughs> where he's essentially asked you to be out of control? Oh, so like what? So tell me, like the last year process, you mm-hmm. know, what have you been doing, walking through to resolve some stuff, and then mm-hmm. how have you? What are some pragmatic things that God's been like? And you will be out of control. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um. I mean, really, He's been walking me through the fact that I don't feel cared for. Okay. Enough to trust Him. Hmm. Um. And that. Regardless of the situation, he cares for me. Okay. Um, and that looks like me releasing things to him. Yeah. Um, which I was never comfortable with before. Yeah. Um, and so I don't have any specifics where I necessarily feel out of control. Mm-hmm. It's more just I'm okay with not every minutia detail falling to me. And sure. Um, well, I maybe probably have more work to do there. But. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Well, then maybe I, I think maybe a different word than like feeling out of control. Mm-hmm. Maybe the question is, what are areas that you've had to release? Mm. Right. Because mm-hmm. that that ultimately that's the area you feel out of control. Yeah. In. So like what are areas that you have had to intentionally release for you mm-hmm. to be resolved in? Yeah. No more anxiety. Part of my real big control issue comes from how judgmental, nitpicky, critical my family Mm -hmm. has been over generations around me. Um, And I was very hypersensitive to how people perceive me and my marriage and my house. And um, I am an extrovert. I love having people in my house. But it was to a point where... Having people over was this massive burden hmm. because I couldn't let people see anything messy, hmm. like physically messy or otherwise. Yeah. I didn't want them to see me snark at my husband. I didn't sure. want them to see my kids like acting everything up. Had me to, sn- everything yeah. had to be picture perfect yeah. all the time. Yeah. All the window smudges had to be. And I'm <laughs> filling my house up with, you know, 50 kids on a weekend with mm-hmm. small group. And I'm like, why does everything have to be perfect for them to ruin it in an hour? It doesn't. Exactly. <laughs> Let it go. Yeah. So yeah. that specifically is an area right now. And then just kind of I wanted to make sure all the time that we did all the things. And there was anxiety attached to that, too. Oh, absolutely. Um, And um, I'm walking in this space right now of I'm enjoying people. I'm not feeling like I need to meet people all the time. Yeah. So I have a a certain someone in my life who struggles with relational anxiety. Uh And I feel like it's uh, self-induced where it's like I have to have friends and then you have friends, and it's like, but I, I need di- other friends and more friends yeah. and because that one friend is not going to resolve my need, and so I need more and more and more and more. Yeah, the problem <laughs> is is that you you have something going on deep down yeah. that you need to uproot because yeah. 
you're trying to do all the things with all the people, for all the people, right. meeting everyone else's needs but your own, and then you walk away just coming home feeling like a shell of a person. Yeah. And it would be days of that, of me just like going from sunup to sundown, me and the kids doing all the things all the time, and then I'd come home and I'm just like, why am I so angry so tired i have nothing to give anyone i have no what's wrong with me yeah and it's literally just i wasn't dealing with my stuff and i was showing up and putting this face on Mm. that i felt like i needed to have and none of that was anything that anyone expected me to do it was all me putting it on myself yeah because i felt like i had to have control of every situation all the time yeah It's exhausting, right? It's so exhausting. <laughs> I'll pray for your friend. <laughs> no, it's it's a uh, no, it's it's our um our daughter. I like know. Our, yeah, I know. Can you mentor her? <laughs> I you and Lacey tell me all the time that Drop her. we're me and Ari are the same person. I'm just like thirty years out from her. <laughs> Um, It'll get better. I, no, I, I promise. Will say, I will say, like, I because okay, so I you know when we started hanging out, mm-hmm. like we would hang out at your house, play games and stuff. But uh, I'm I'm trying to remember. Like, it would be very, it would be very like. Hold on, let me pick up my stuff first, or hold on, let me, and then you guys could come over to where now. Like, I think I popped by the, your house the other day. Like you were folding clothes and like there was like it was five yeah. loads of laundry yeah. on the couch when you came over it's, the other day. Like honestly, you know what though? It's so it's and so I didn't funny. even apologize that I didn't stop oh, folding know. laundry with you and no, my it's house. Fantastic. <laughs> no, but it, it's so cool. Like honestly, it is so. It is the atmosphere you build, like, as you walk, as as you deal with stuff, right? As yeah. you resolve things, you do generate. The world would call it like an aura, an Positive energy. Vibes. Yeah, but like it, it is a it is an atmosphere that you bring you bring into a situation or or invite in mm-hmm. where it's like okay, either it's gonna cause everyone to be high anxiety, right? Yeah, or peaceful, and and and, and that's the thing is like as we deal with our own stuff. That does create a an environment around you mm-hmm. that either terrifies people. Um, it, it's Lacey, Lacey and I once had this one person question Lacey's mom about Nathan Lacey. That like they're like it's a facade, right? It's like a, a thing that they're just that way on stage. And Lacey's mom is like, what are you talking about? She's like, oh, there's nobody, no way nobody could be that, like, open with all their stuff. But it's that thing, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's You generate an environment of, like, oh, wait, either that freaks people out. Like, how can Lauren be so comfortable with someone coming over to her house with the smudges and dead flies on the window? Because I was shooting them. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, or, and, like, laundry, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. The, how could she do that? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it does have to be pristine and perfect. Right. Or the other side of that is people come and go, oh, my goodness. I'm so glad to see that you're in your pajamas. I'm so glad to see that you have like <laughs> laundry piling up. It, mm-hmm. There's a sense of it, it's almost a release of anxiety, especially yeah. for people who do deal with that. Right. Right. And and so um, 
I, I think that's, you know, obviously you have your own internal dialogue that is becoming more free and mm-hmm. obviously more enjoyable for yourself to be yeah. around. <laughs> but then also it's it's that. It's like, oh, as, as you're, you know, like you're saying, resolving these things, it's also inviting it's also becoming more inviting for people to be be free or yeah. absolutely terrified of you, right? Yes. It, it, it almost creates this juxtaposition. Yeah, and I will say that I've had, <laughs> I've had a friend since I was about 12 years old that actually, she, she moved out here. Um, and um, this freaks her out. Yeah. It freaks her out to no end. Yeah. Um, and she's been trying to... <laughs> Enneagram box me for like the last six months of <laughs> trying to figure out. You probably like shot all over the I, place. <laughs> yeah, but it's just she just. Um, we grew up in church together. She yeah. has not chosen to follow Jesus as she has become an adult, and yeah. she's just so confused. And the church you grew up in was very programmatic. Is that the word? Pro- yeah, programmy. Okay. Structured. Yes. I grew up in an evangelical free church. Yeah. So it was hymns, and the most we talked about the Holy Spirit was uh, like discussing, when you read the Bible. Discussing the Trinity. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was very. Uh, well, even through your, your uh, college years. Even through my college years. Yeah. I went Which, to a Baptist church, yeah. and then I went to a Disciples of Christ college, and. Yeah, is all yeah. very, very structured, very conservative, yeah. erring on the side of legalism versus yeah. relationship. And yeah, that's that was my wheelhouse of where I was comfortable. So with that, and, and I mean, okay, to, for someone who struggles with control and anxiety, it I'm sure. fits. Yeah, I was like, that's probably fantastic. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. But do you see those environments I gotta, I gotta careful how I qu- mm-hmm. phrase this question because I think uh, the denominations, it's like a body, they all bring something to the table, yes. right? But do you think that environment for someone who struggles with anxiety, with control, mm-hmm. um, what did that, I'll say, I'll ask it this way. What did that do for you? Mm-hmm. Did it help you or did it? Almost entrench you into your own issues. It entrenched me into okay. my own issues 100%. And I I don't know if that would be the same for everyone that struggles like I do. No, no, no. I, that's why I was asking um, you. Like, I wanted to... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to no, do... me specifically. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, um, it definitely entrenched me in my own issues to the point where I had, um, between college and then me getting married to John, I had a period where I walked away because... I was really, really confused going to TCU as a, I was not a Bible minor, I was a religion minor. Okay. And so I studied the religions. Okay. And the first one I took was um, was a, a Bible class, but it was the Catholic Bible. Okay. And yeah. I did not realize that there was... <laughs> extra books in other Bibles. And I feel like the verse that really just stuck out in my head all the time was all scripture is God breathed. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a minute. 
So this one in this Bible yeah. is God breathed, but not yeah. in that one. Right. Okay, so then I started studying different. I went like to the nth degree of control yeah. and legalism, and just like let me compare all the versions and oh, yeah. see why they're so different. And there was a lot of differences, yeah. and some stuff seemed to contradict itself. And I just like threw my hands up, and I was like, <laughs> "Okay, I'm done. None of this makes sense." It's <laughs> <laughs> such a fantastic conversation. Like that, honestly, like that that stuff. As relational as I am now, yeah. there's still parts of me in the back like that are like, I want to discuss theology and Bible translation. I know. Well, and then the one person I, I know it. who's like the most into theology and uh, apologetics yeah. in, in this church, yeah. I brought that to him. And he's like, well, no, the original text yeah. is God-breathed. Everything yeah. else is our best version Interpretation, of a translation. translation. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like— yeah. Would that have been so hard at 21 for someone to have said that to me when I was struggling? Come on, people. Well. Well, would have saved me a lot of heartache, but meh. <laughs> you live and you learn. Exactly. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Okay, so last question um, to kind of uh, put us back on track. Sure. We'll see. Mm. Um, so in all of this... How have you seen your relationship with God mm -hmm. grow? Like from let let's take let's take eighteen year old Lauren, all the trauma that she had yeah. walked through, mm -hmm. to Lauren at almost forty. Um, wow, <laughs> rude. Okay, my wife is almost forty. Yes, but she's actually almost forty. She has one year. I have five. You round up. No, nope. as my daughter says. <laughs> you round up. Okay, 35. Hey. Lauren 18, Lauren 35. Mm -hmm. How has, what, if you could just kind of briefly sum up your relationship process with God? Wow, okay. Um, 18, I was really going after um, missions. Okay. Um, because I had a heart for people that were hurting because okay. I was hurting. Um, and so I wanted to save all the people and, um, but it really wasn't from an outpouring <coughs> of love and relationship with the Lord. It was me being, feeling like I could have some level of control over these other people's hurting issues. Okay. Um, and also not understanding how cared for I am or anything mm. surrounding identity um, at all mm -hmm. and feeling very lost um, to college years trying to understand being so overwhelmed with my need to control what I could understand that I yeah. gave up yeah um and I think I even, I walked away to, like, the point of I didn't want to be involved in any church. I didn't yeah. want to hear anything about the Bible. I just wanted to judge the way they um, showed Christians on TV, which okay. was protesting things like AIDS walks and stuff like that <laughs> to raise money. You know, sure. that kind of yeah. was, was something Baptist kind of. Westboro. That one. Um yeah, so there was a couple of years of that Super where I wanted loving. nothing to do 
yeah. with that label of Christianity. And yeah. then um, just really coming back to little things to involve myself in a church body because I felt like it was necessary. Okay. Um, to now... Uh, I don't even know how to describe where I am now, and I'm probably going to start crying um, because I I never believed that I'm as cared for as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and to really understand that is so beyond any of this nonsense mm-hmm. that I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, that it's just transformational and to mm. just really seek after the heart of the father and listening and having conversations with the Holy Spirit, which mm-hmm. I thought was insane until about four, three years ago. Um, I was going to say this last year, I called me probably wrecked, wrecked your mind. Oh my goodness. It's a wonderful thing. But every once in a while, I'm just like, wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. the leader, it wrecked my mind too. So don't worry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it all started with, um, gosh, you just asked us to envision how the Holy, or no, you asked us to ask the Holy Spirit to show us how the Father saw us. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And I had done your open-handed prayers a few yeah, times, sure. and I'm like, I got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing for <laughs> Does 30 work? years. Your magic doesn't work on me, sir. <laughs> your voodoo. Uh, and then I got the clearest vision I've ever mm. gotten in my mind short of me having like PTSD issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I just saw myself as a little girl coming to this huge throne and just being picked up mm-hmm. like a kid and held. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, I've been hearing and seeing and like legit visions mm-hmm. and those people are the crazy people, okay? And now you're the crazy And now I'm the crazy person. Um, <laughs> I, I also identify that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but it all stemmed from me really starting to be like, okay, Lord, I don't trust you. Yeah. I would like to. I don't understand what I'm worth to you. Mm-hmm. I really don't get how you could love me as much as they say you can love mm-hmm. me. And then I started to pour myself into that relationship, and yeah. he showed me. It's awesome. Yeah. It's fantastic. All right. Um, do you mind closing us out with prayer, like, with praying for um, people who do struggle with anxiety, people who do struggle with control, and just praying a blessing over them? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Heavenly Father, I pray over anyone that hears this Mm. podcast, God, that is struggling with anxiety, with control issues, with releasing things to you, Father, that you Mm. would reveal the issue that they're, that is causing them distance um, from releasing things to you. God, give them revelation that is undeniable. Mm. Um, 
I feel like we should just pause for a moment for anybody listening so they can ask for themselves and hear. God, I just want to pray that whatever that they heard, that they would be obedient and just release that to you, Father. Mm-hmm. I pray that you would make yourself known as a loving dad. Thank you. Um, and that they would know their worth. Mm-hmm. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Lauren, for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> this is fun. It was fantastic. <laughs> uh, next time we'll talk about deep theology and all the oh, yes. Let's real, do real stuff. The real, real doctrine. Stuff. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.